So our series again is titled The Holy Longing. And tonight we're going to talk about a longing for justice, a longing for a ruler who will uphold justice and righteousness. So I'm going to start by reading Isaiah 9, 1 through 7. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. When Isaiah wrote these words, he was preparing the people of Israel for invasion. God was allowing the Assyrians to come in and conquer the nation of Israel. And the reason he was allowing that is because the rulers of Israel were not following God's laws. They were not upholding justice and righteousness in the nation of Israel. And when the Assyrians came, they came from the north. And in the north of Israel are these places that are mentioned in in chapter 9, verse 1. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. And so when the Assyrians came, this was the region. These were the people who got the brunt of the assault. And as the Assyrians swept through, right, we can picture, I mean, we think about what's happening in Ukraine um, and other war-torn countries, and it's the people who suffer, right? And they suffered captivity and exile and slavery, destruction. But this message, this prophecy that Isaiah gives is so filled with hope. And the thing that caught my attention 
is that as he's saying this, Isaiah has such trust in God that this future, suddenly his language slips into present tense. So I want to point that out to us. It says here, um, but in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. That, when you put that um, helping verb in there, have, have seen, it's called present perfect. Let's keep going to the next one. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. Remember, the people were just, were going to go through a very dark time. In fact, at the, at the end of chapter 8, right before this, it says this, And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. And yet here's Isaiah saying, you have increased its joy. Look at verse 4. The yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor. It's supposed to remind them of the Israelites' time in Egypt when they were oppressed. You have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in, the, in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. And then again, we see this present tense. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. It's the future in present tense. Now, Isaiah was right to believe that that God's promises would come true, right? Because we know that they did. We know that the angels announced to the shepherds, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. But Isaiah specifically mentions, again, Zebulon and Naphtali. And these people would continue to get the brunt of attack as different nations came and conquered Israel. And in Jesus' time, right, it would have been the Romans who had come in. And so again, this land, it's, it's far from the important city of Jerusalem. It's not a place that, you know, people want to go and live. Um, it's a very poor, desolate and yet, when Jesus begins his ministry, that's where he goes. Matthew 4, 13 says, And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulon and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. And then, in verse 17, it says, From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent! The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The area of Zebulon and Naphtali were, was made glorious because Jesus, God himself, was there. 
So how about today? What, 3,000 years after Isaiah wrote this? Are we living in a nation characterized by justice (laughs) and righteousness? You know, every school day, I say the Pledge of Allegiance, and we end with, with liberty and justice for all. Am I losing my... But we know that people experience injustice all over our land. Does it ever feel like darkness for you? Justice in the Bible is about equal treatment and it always has to do with those who are in greatest need. Here's what, um, you can go to the next slide. Deuteronomy 10 says, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Proverbs tells us, Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. Jeremiah, Thus says the Lord, Do justice and righteousness, and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed. And do no wrong or violence to the resident alien, the fatherless, and the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. And Zechariah, do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor, and let none of you despise evil against another in your heart. This is what justice should look like. And yet it's often the fatherless, the poor, the immigrants who suffer the most in our country and in our city. Does it ever feel like you're living in Zebulon and Naphtali, like disaster falls on you first? Look at our city. Look at your coworkers, our friends, our neighbors. Are they being assaulted by the Assyrians of today? Drugs, alcohol, greed, discrimination. Do we experience the gloom and anguish from broken relationships, poverty, sickness, injustice? We live on the other side of the fulfillment of this prophecy that Isaiah gave us. We know that Jesus came. He is the child, right? In Colossians, when we were studying Colossians, we read, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. And yet, we still have darkness, and we still have distress, and we still have anguish. The full kingdom is also not yet 
So how, when we still long for justice, do we learn to experience the future in present tense, like Isaiah did? I have three ideas for us to consider. First, we keep longing for justice. We keep longing for what we know is good and right, and we can join the psalmist and lift our longing to the king. O oh Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked exult? How long must your servant endure? When will you judge those who persecute me? Think about our city. Think about your neighborhood, your coworkers. What do you long for for them? I long for a place where people live in deep community with each other with longevity. I long for a place where diversity is expected and celebrated, where people see physical or mental limitations, but they recognize the strengths that are there instead of just the weaknesses. I long for a place where people get to creatively use their gifts and their talents to bring beauty and justice to our city. I long for a community where needs are met and burdens are shared. What do you long for? You know, during another dark time when the nation of Israel was, had been conquered by another nation, Babylon, God told his people living in exile to keep living. Even though they longed for their rightful home and they longed for justice to be done, God said, keep living. Jeremiah 29, 5 through 7. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. So we keep longing for justice and we also keep living right where we are. So where has God placed you? You know, again, David talked about it, and Paul talked about our building, and, and I just keep thinking about our new building, right? And it's in a place, um, and it's in a neighborhood that needs justice and righteousness, right relationships with God and each other. How might we seek the welfare of Olympia? God doesn't want us to hide away in our longing and grief and just, just wait. He wants us to keep living. 
Lastly, we obey. And as we long for our reality to be more like that picture in Isaiah 9, more of Jesus and his kingdom, we want to pay attention to what is he calling us to. Again, how might we use our new building in creative ways to meet needs of our city? And then not just our building, but us, the resources that we have right here in this room. I, I, I don't remember who it was, could have been my husband, <laughs> likes to talk about having a creative imagination. And so how can we listen to God? How can we ask him? How can we long for justice and then pay attention and obey when we hear, here's what you can do. And of course, as we do that, we have to remember that it's God who will bring about his kingdom. And so we will keep longing for justice, and we will keep living and obeying. But the foundation of all this is our trust in who God is, and that his promises do come true. The definition of faith in Hebrews is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And I think this is what Isaiah was saying. He said, look, a child is born. He was so convinced that it was going to happen that he, it was in the present, right? We can live through the darkness. We can live through the anguish because we know that it is true. And we know that Jesus is on the throne and he will establish his kingdom with justice and righteousness and he will uphold it and it will last forever. We can be confident that the king has come just like Jesus came to the people of Zebulon and Naphtali, Jesus has come, the king has come to the oppressed right here in this room, in this city. So may we long for justice and may we live right where we are and may we obey out of a deeper faith so that our future reality is lived in present tense. Will you pray with me? Father, we remember that you fulfill your promises. And may, we give, may that give us assurance and the conviction that Jesus is king and his kingdom is established and upheld. May we keep longing to see more and more of your justice here in Olympia. May we keep living and seeking the welfare of Olympia. And may we hear your voice and obey your call to meet the needs of the people in Olympia. In Jesus' name, amen.